Welcome to the Real Deal of Parenting podcast with Abby Johnson and Regan Long. This show covers all things pertaining to motherhood with authenticity, insight, and a healthy dose of humor with topics from a Christian perspective, ranging from the everyday challenges of raising kids of all ages to high profile issues and current events facing families. There's something for everyone. We've got a great new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Welcome everyone to this special episode on The Real Deal of Parenting. We have an exclusive guest with us today, Tim Ballard, who is the founder and CEO of Operation Underground Railroad, a nonprofit that fights against child sex slavery. Tim, with all you're involved in, not to mention you and your wife having nine children of your own, we cannot thank you enough for being with us today. Thank you, Reagan. I'm honored to be here. You know, we have approximately 17 million parents who visit the real deal of parenting every month. And so your interview has been so anxiously anticipated. So let's let's hop right in. So, Tim, you worked with the CIA and then spent over a decade working as a special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, um, where you were deployed as an undercover operative. What what made you leave your job to go about this work of saving children from the unthinkable? Well, uh, first, you know, when, when I started in this work, uh, we were still figuring out what was going on. Uh, we were part of the first kind of child crimes units when the Internet Crimes Against Children task forces were being formed in the early 2000s. Uh, and so we were kind of on the on the front lines of this. And um the more we dug, the more we realized how much of the child exploitation was happening overseas. Um, but we were the demand. We were the recipients of, of the child uh, sex material. Uh, we were the sex tourists, meaning Americans. We we're the number one demand. And so in 2006, the laws changed with the passage of the, of the Adam Walsh Child Protect Act. And what that act did was it opened the doors for the first time for U.S. agents to go overseas to look for our American uh, pedophiles. And the idea being, if we catch them there, their inhibitions are down because they think they're going to get away with it. Well, then we'll track them back and find the kids who they're hurting here at home. So they sent me out undercover to start infiltrating child trafficking and child exploitation rings overseas. But if I couldn't find the American and I only had a limited time, the budget only allowed so much time, then I had to come home. But the problem is the unintended consequence of coming home is that I had made myself the bait. So I was the one with the relationship with the bad guys. And if I come home, we won't rescue those 15, 20, maybe more children um, who we are looking for. And the reason I had to come home again, because there's no U.S. nexus. And so the host government would say, can you please stay? Don't leave. And I'd have to leave. And and so I was working two cases in 2013 where this was the case. One was in Colombia, one was in Haiti. And they were, I just got too deep. I, 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 and I couldn't come home and I didn't know what else to do. I told, I told my wife, I said, if I leave, there's going to be uh, a, a huge loss in this operation and, and children won't be rescued. And, and my wife is much more faithful, much more, uh, stable, I think, emotionally, spiritually, in every way, and she's just like, "Well, this is an easy, this is an easy answer. You quit, you quit your job, and we'll just figure it out." 
And that was not easy for me being that at the time we had six children and very little savings. And, but we, you know, we knew it was the right thing to do. So we, we literally quit in 2013 to address these two cases, one in Haiti, one in Colombia, both of which yielded, um, you know, uh, uh, dozens of rescues. In, in one case, we, in, in Colombia case, we had over 120 victims who we, we were able to rescue in that, in that operation. And then in Haiti, it was 28 children, um, two of which we ended up adopting, um, who, who were also being sold. So that was the beginning of it. And then we thought, well, it worked. There, there is a place for the privatization of, of these, these kind of operations. And then we just grew from there, created Operation Underground Railroad. And today we're in 26 countries. We've been able to, um, to help in the rescue of over 4,000 victims, most of which are children and uh, 2,500 arrests, so, and, and still growing. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, the story of, of, of why we do what we do and, and why we created this foundation. Wow, incredible. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing to me that human trafficking generates over $100 billion annually. And you've reiterated to us that this is absolutely happening in our area, no matter where we're at. There's child pornography, there's abuse, there's trafficking. But despite all of this going on, I feel a lot of eyes weren't open to this um, until the Epstein case became well known. Um, it, would you agree? And how much are you able to sh safely share what, how deep you think these criminal activities run within the elite? Yeah, I do agree that, uh, I mean, I'm grateful for the, uh, the, the exposure of, of the Epstein case, the, the documentaries that were, have been done, because it did open people's eyes. That's a mild case. Um, relative, I want to be careful here, horrific. And there's, I mean, I'm not downplaying at all, but people were so outraged at what was happening there. And it's like, guys, this is happening. Um, I want to take back, I, don't, I didn't mean to say it was, a, it was mild. Okay, but I'm I'm just saying comparatively. Comparatively, and the the children who we are helping are, are even much younger than those children, and the the kind of abuse and the, the things that are produced in in the way of child rape videos. I mean, if, if people knew, uh, and 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 I've struggled for you know 17 years trying to get people to. Listen, even while I was a government agent talking to family and they're like, that can't be happening. We don't believe that could be happening. You know, people thought that child um, uh, pornography must be 17 year old, 16 year olds. And, and we're like, we don't even have time for that. We're talking about seven year olds and eight year olds. And, you know, and it's just incomprehensible to a decent mind. So how do you get people to, to wake up to something they don't want to acknowledge is real? And so, um, uh, it's, it's starting to happen. You know, people are waking up. And uh, and I think that um, one of the reasons that people don't want to see it, not only it hurts, you know, we have a tendency, all of us, especially with pa parents or, or grandparents, we like to, we, we don't like to, but we automatically almost superimpose our children's faces onto those victims' faces, which is why we run from it. I, I can't, and I've, done, I've struggled with that. I see my own kids all the time. And it hurts so deeply that you don't want to deal with it. Um, and so that's one reason. The other reason, I, I do think that there are, I think sex addiction, which largely stems from um, 
uh, this pornographic world that we live in and the and the the excess of porn addiction which leads to sex addiction and uh, i think it's a closet crime that affects everyone and anyone including very powerful people very influential people um and they don't want it exposed so i do think we're fighting that i do think that there's a lot of people that don't want to pour a lot of time resources energy into this because it'll expose their own their own criminal activity and uh but if the people get loud enough and we keep doing shows like this and the people are more powerful the decent people i still believe are more powerful than all of that darkness and the louder we get that wave will crash down and 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 cleanse the world of this that's, that's our hope you know it's it's a shame to admit this, but Americans are the number one producer and consumer in child pornography. On average, a child is victimized 5.4 times a day in the United States. Why do you think we never hear about this from the media or near the amount we need to? It seems it's, it's mind boggling to me. Why yeah. does not get the coverage it needs to? You know, I've I have pondered that question and I've yet to come up with a real good answer. For me, every time we do an operation, I come home and I see the headlines on on the mainstream media and I'm just thinking, how is that the headline? Like one more false accusation against your political opponent seems to be all we care about. And it's like millions of kids are being raped for money. They're they're having their organs cut out from them. I mean, these are cases we're working. And that should be the headline every single day until we solve it. And the other great thing about it is, not, not great, but reason why we should be talking about it is it's the one thing left on the table, I believe, that everybody that, that, that transcends everything else, all political, party, religious lines, it's the one thing, maybe the last thing left <laughs> that we all agree on, that children shouldn't be taken, kidnapped, exploited, trafficked, and and so let's let's rally around this one thing that we all that the most of us still agree on, um, and I, I think to, I I think to answer your question why, I think the media is a reflection of society. I think that they are a business and they're trying to give us what we want, and what we want I think in America today is to be outraged. We we want that dopamine hit that comes with being outraged, mm -hmm. and so it's just clickbait and and sensationalized headlines to try to get people to be upset because they want to be outraged. Um, and so I'd like to say to the media, you know, or to the people, let's get so outraged over this and let's let this be the thing we get outraged over. And the, and the louder the people get, I think the media will start to respond. The louder they, the more they see the people are Googling to learn about this, the more podcasts they see like this happening, then the media will say, look, this is what the people want. And so let's start making the headlines about children who are being abused. And so I think we're doing what we can to just scream and yell and get loud. Right. Tim, you've said, and I quote, human trafficking and child exploitation is real and growing rapidly. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. How big of an impact do you think this presidential election will have on human trafficking? Well, I think that, you know, we're as a, as a nonprofit, we um, are, you know, we're apolitical. We try to stay nonpartisan, but we do speak out whatever the truth is, you know, and uh, it's, it's a weird world we live in. I was asked to go brief the president uh, last year and believe it or not, Reagan, and I would have run the same 
speed to any president of any party if they wanted to know about human trafficking. I'm just happy that anyone's talking about it. I briefed the president last year and the next day we lost a thousand um, donors that just walked away, not because they didn't think we were rescuing kids, because they knew we were. These are our, 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 our ongoing donors, we call our abolitionist club, people that are recurring. 1,000 in 24 hours over that walked away because apparently they hate one person more than they love rescuing children, which is a very sad commentary. Um, but if so, so in that with that context, knowing that I'm coming at this from an, an apolitical position, I will say that this current administration has done more than any other administration ever in my 18 years of working this in terms of putting sending down resources, making it a priority and uh, and making it an issue. And so uh, we've been able to get a lot more done because of this administration. And so I do think that uh, this administration staying in power is going to help and, and continue to grow the, uh, the the fight against human trafficking. And I'll probably lose a thousand uh, donors by saying this on your show, but the truth is the truth. This is, again, this is, I don't care what party, I truly don't. I would run just as fast to any party, but this current administration, no question about it, it's, it's not even debatable, has put more resources, made it a bigger priority than, than, than any other of any party of any position. You know, you recently shared about an 11-year-old little girl who was exploited on TikTok. And for those who aren't familiar, TikTok has become an extremely popular app. You said when traffickers get pictures or videos of young children, they can sell the images within a day to thousands of people around the world with these, with these kiddos not leaving their homes, with these people not even having to leave their homes. What would you recommend to parents? I think this is one of the most sought after questions, Tim. What would you recommend to parents who allow their children to have certain social media platforms? What apps or platforms, if any, are safe for children? So the, the, what parents need to do, need to understand is that any app or any game your child is playing, if there is a connection where people from the outside can come in and access your kids, it is equally dangerous across the board. And that's what parents don't understand. We've seen a, a, an increase just in this year of, you know, these this gaming, for example, the kids get on the games. There's 30 miles from my home just a, a month or two ago. For example, there was a guy who, a pedophile, 42 years old, he was gaming with two little girls from Indiana, six years old. And the parents thought the girls were playing the computer because when we were kids, that's what we played, the computer, right? No, your kids aren't playing the computer, mom and dad. They are playing other people. And this 42-year-old guy was in there pretending to be a kid and actually got these girls to take naked pictures, six years old of themselves and sent him the attorney general's office intervened and, and quashed it before it got even more serious. But every app that has that connection, every game parents, you need to know what is on your children's iPhones, what's on their iPads, know the games, Google the games. So you understand, turn off the function that allows them to game with or communicate with anybody from the outside. Pedophiles know they're experts at accessing our children and games and apps and social media um, platforms are the way they're getting access to our kids. And in the United States, at least, that is the way they're doing it. You can go overseas and you can find children being sold on the beaches or in certain clubs. In the United States, the, the number one that I have seen, the number one mechanism is 
online. You know, I tell I tell parents, would you I ask them, would you let your 12 year old daughter go clubbing or barring hopping on a Friday night? Oh, are you kidding? No. Well, would you let your child have unfettered access to Internet behind a closed door in your house? Well, yeah, every night. Do you know what's on the phone? Do you know what games? No, not really. Well, that is way more dangerous in my estimation than having your 12 year old hop, bar hop and, and clubbing. What are you talking? Because pedophiles are there. They're, that's where they're looking for our kids and they know how to access them. Wow. It's, it's just scary. I know I, I have five children, but one of my middle kiddos, she's, she's eight. She was playing on Roblox, which seems like just such an innocent, it's, it's another platform. And she, my kids know they're not to give out their location or address. And this person, it was a nine-year-old little girl, she thought, was trying to say, hey, I think we live close. Where do you live again? And she was about to type out our address. And as I reviewed the conversation and, and I stopped her, it was so scary. I could absolutely tell it was an adult. Wow. Posing is yeah. a nine-year-old little girl. And she, my, my daughter's so ignorant and innocent. She's like, but no, mommy, don't worry. It's a nine-year-old little girl. They just... Even and we've had multiple talks about this, and she thought it was safe because it was another little girl, supposedly. So it's just it's having to have constant access to see what's happening. So scary. Absolutely, yeah. You know, um, it's it's suffice to say, twenty twenty has been a horrific year for many children. Um, this year alone, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has experienced over a 90% increase in reports of missing and exploited children compared to the same time period in 2019. And as if you, sh you shared earlier, the numbers are still rising. Um, Tim, how do we begin to feel safe no matter where we're living? Or th that's just not the case for anyone right now. Yeah, it is a difficult time. Um, the, the unintended consequences of sh closing down schools and and putting kids in in the home and saying, "Here's," I mean, think of, and the FBI in March warned. By the way, they they knew this was coming. Um, you put pedophiles at home. You put kids at home. Mom and dad are scavenging to save their jobs and find food and whatnot. And these kids were largely millions and millions of kids, largely left alone to their own devices without the, the infrastructure that usually would help to keep them safe and structured, which is school, after school programs, sports, all these things. We didn't realize uh, as, a, as a society how those things keep people, keep kids safe. And all of a sudden we see this chatter, we see this movement and an increase in these reports um, where where people are seeing more. I mean, the, we've even seen chatter from um, pedophiles on the dark net Law enforcement has reported all throughout the world during this time that they, they're saying things like it's harvest time. You know, the kids are sitting ducks right now. Uh, so um, so then it's it's really that awareness that you just you just mentioned that that even in your own home, you're not necessarily safe. Um, but parents can safeguard. Like I said, if, if parents understand, they're aware what the apps are, what the games are, what the kids are doing. That is that's it. The parents have to level up. Um, especially in these times, these strange times where things happen, where we our kids are accidentally exposed to even more potential danger. You know, piggybacking off that, you know, people ask you all the time, what can I do in this fight to save our children, keep your own children safe? Um, besides starting to become educated and, and getting loud, as you've shared, you also have told people there 
is a certain documentary on Amazon Prime um, that they can watch and to share it with three people. Now, this is a two-part question. I'd like you to share that documentary with us. And then I'd like you to also, many people have wrote us overnight. They, they want your opinion on the recent movie released on Netflix called Cuties and what your take is on that. Yeah. Those two kind of go together. Great, sure. So um, on Amazon, the, the, the documentary is called Operation Two Saint. It was nominated for an Emmy. It, it tells the story of one of our operations in Haiti. And you see this hat I'm wearing, it says Find Guardi. That's one of the hats people can purchase that, that, that goes to, to fund our, our operations. But Guardi is the little boy I, I referenced earlier that in 2013, he was one of those cases that I was working as a U.S. agent, a U.S. citizen, Haitian descent, who was um, kidnapped from his church in Port-au-Prince. He, he was born in the United States. His family moved back. And this little boy was kidnapped. And we were trying to find him. And uh, what... I ended up, it wasn't a U.S. case. And so that's one of the reasons I had to quit to help find this little boy. I made a promise to the father, his name's Gesno, that we would never stop till we found his son. And we haven't found him yet, but looking for him, believe it or not, we've, we've found and rescued over 500 children in Haiti, including the two children who, like I said before, are now my children. And so Operation Two Saint talks about one of those operations and tells that story of everything we're doing in Haiti and and it's basically it's, it's very um, intense. It, it 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 tells the story of some very high end traffickers that that um, the Guardian investigation had led us to, and and helped us rescue um, many many other children, and and tells about us and how we started and and, and what we and what we do um, overseas. What we do overseas is very different than what we do domestically. Overseas we do get more. Um, hands-on at the request of the governments we work with. They'll ask us oftentimes to be consultants on the ground. They'll sign us up to be informants. Some of our guys can even go undercover to, because we look like the client that, that the traffickers are looking to, to, ser to serve. And so, uh, but domestically, it's, it's, um, it's much more just in a support role where we provide training uh, tools and so forth to to our domestic partners who are fighting child exploitation uh, and 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 liberating children from from that danger. So, so please, yes, go watch Operation Two Saint. Um, the movie Cuties. Yes, uh, we've been very. Uh, we actually had several people review it on the team. We're actually your timing's interesting because we're coming out with our statement today. It's interesting because the director of the film. I listened very clear. Uh, closely to the interview, said that she is seeking to actually fight the over-sexualization of children. And and it's the struggle that this girl, this, these children feel like they, they're pressured. They feel pressured. The society's pressuring them to, to, to over-sexualize themselves. And it, the, the, the message, the underlying message of the movie is that that's a bad thing. Um, and they didn't need to do that. And they shouldn't feel forced to do that. And so their, their, their intent is probably from a place of, yes, we're, we don't like this, but I can't, I just have to stand against it because what the, how they did it, the mechanism that they used was just really not smart, not good, and actually hurts the, the fight. I watched the clips of the dancing scenes, Reagan, and I, I have a pretty, I have a pretty strong stomach for this stuff. I've have to work. I've been working it for 18 years. I, I jerked away like instinctively. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. 
I mean, you're talking about these camera angles, like, I don't, I, I'm, I, I, even if I described it, I would feel inappropriate, but like crotch shots, like, I don't know if you've seen some of it. I, I, I couldn't believe what, you know, sh showing really just ex so exploitative to these, first of all, these children act actresses, but what they don't realize what they're doing by providing that content, you're, you're actually fueling every pedophile in the world is looking at this over and they don't care what your underlying goal was, you know, mm -hmm. they don't care that that uh, you meant to fight it. You are providing content that's fueling the passion. And, you know, I, I understand telling the stories. We tell stories all the time, our documentaries, right? If, you, if you've seen Operation Two Saint, for example, there's a point where the camera on the, there's a cop with a camera walks into a, this brothel. He, he's, he's gonna go take these girls out. He liberates them. He catches them being abused. Okay, but he, that, that's all blacked out. You don't show that. You don't need to show that. You don't need to provide content that could stimulate a pedophile and feel that passion. But even more concerning, I think, is it's like a new bar has been set. This, the bar has been lowered. Like, this is now okay to show on a mainstream network. Um, next time they show it, 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 may, it may not have an underlying theme of, no, we're against the over-sexualization of children. You've now said it's okay to put this kind of stuff out that you're kind of tacitly condoning. This is okay, um, and it's just this: you're chipping away at societal barriers that we've put up to protect children, and and so that's concerning because I feel like we're fighting right now this this thing that's happening where pedophilia is being accepted and um, by many groups and and actually being. Ex make, there's an, an excuse for it. Like it's it's more like who you are, not so much a choice. It's not a crime. It's who you are. This is a dangerous place for us to be moving as a society. Our children are already vulnerable enough, and so all these things combine to kind of desensitize, normalize something that cannot be normalized. Uh, it cannot be. Um, we need to be fighting harder against it. So, so that's that's our position on that. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, as of July 14th, Operation Underground Railroad has rescued 3,800 vic victims and arrested 2,099 traffickers. Tell us, how do you go undercover? How do you get tips on where to send your teams to next? I can't imagine what a daunting task this is as it's everywhere. So how do you even go about this? these missions and with your teams on where to start? So, so first and foremost, we, we are a tool in the hands of law enforcement throughout the world. Um, and so we go to law enforcement partners and our survivor care partners and say, what do you need? We, are, we have an expertise. We have unique skill sets that can help you get what you need in terms of, of rescuing children, whether it's digital tools. We, we've built digital forensic laboratories, for example, in in Southeast Asia and in Latin America, where they have tools they never had before, where they can go on the dark net, for example, and find where child exploitation material is being exchanged or where deals are being made. Uh, we teach them how to go undercover. Sometimes these countries will say, look, these traffickers in our country are looking to service Americans or Westerners. Will you please go undercover? And we have former law enforcement who are experts in this and they go and they, they'll pose and learn what they need to learn to, to, to find those those children. Um, like I was saying, 
and domestically we don't do that because we don't we don't need to do that. We we provide tools and training. Um, one of the tools we provide domestically are canine units. Believe it or not, um, people have heard of of drug sniffing dogs and bomb sniffing dogs, but these are digital media sniffing dogs. So on a on a warrant where you know you're looking for child exploitation material, child pornography, these pedophiles have now learned how to hide their material in the smallest little thumb drive they can hide in the carpet or in the or in the curtain, and and a human will never find it. But on that chip exist evidence of where that child is that they've, that they've abused or someone's abused. It may be the only hope that this child gets rescued if someone finds this. So we have trained canine units that will go in on the search warrant and sniff out the tiniest piece of digital media and that rescues children. Um, so we're trying to work so that every law enforcement jurisdiction in the United States has access to a canine unit. Also mobile labs, we build these mobile labs. Um, where they can do the digital forensic analysis on site and they don't have to, otherwise they have to take it and sometimes it's a six month backlog to some lab to get the computers digitally downloaded and analyzed. And the problem is until you get that done, you can't arrest the guy because then the clock starts and the speedy trial clause activates and you can't get done fast enough. So you just have to walk away from the house of a guy you know is abusing children or would at any moment and so with these with these with these mobile labs, it allows law enforcement to download, analyze, and 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 they can arrest the guy immediately because they have the evidence on lock before they even finish interrogating him and searching his house. So these are the tools we're bringing to America and supporting our law enforcement in their fight to protect our children. Wow, incredible. You know, I also want to bring up and commend you. You are a best-selling author of six books. Now, if you had to choose one of those that would be most pertinent for people to read right now, what would you suggest? Um, I would suggest my book, Slave Stealers. Um, it's, it's the story of how Operation Underground Railroad was born, focusing on this little boy, Gardy, and who my heroes were that inspired me. Uh, when I started this work in the early 2000s, we were really developing a lot of the curriculum at that time. Um, Homeland Security, in my mind, still leads the way and always has. But, but back in those days, we were still trying to figure out and get our hands around this problem. I remember going to undercover school and having to play the role. They're trying to teach me how to be a pedophile, if you can imagine this, trying to be a purveyor of child sex a sex tourist. And we were having a hard time figuring out what does this look like? You know, how do we conquer this? And with, with the lack of a lot of curriculum on the, on the matter, I turned to the last time I knew that slavery existed in this world because it is slavery. It's a modern day form of it. And it's different enough that you, you know, they're not synonymous, but there's things you can learn from that transatlantic slave trade. And, and my hero who I learned about who, who, who did these rescued her own children and, and others was a woman named Harriet Jacobs. I also love Harriet Tubman, who is more prominent, but Harriet Jacobs is this woman who was a slave in Edenton, North Carolina, rescued herself and her children in the most amazing operation. We've literally learned things like even tactics that we can emulate, how they use the media to, to conquer the problem and, and politicians. There's so much to learn. And Harriet Jacobs, this 19th century, former slave is my hero. And so I, in the book Slave Still, I tell her story and how she, her story inspired me 
to, to found our organization and how we use her as an example and as an inspiration. So that's the book Slave Stoge. It's The forward is written by uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin, who has a really unique perspective. That I think it's very healing, especially for this, for this time that we need a lot of healing. Absolutely. And we're going to link that in the comments below too, um, for everybody to be able to grab that and read. As we bring this to a close, what, with the millions of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and ch child care providers who are going to be watching this, what do you think, what would you say to them that you feel is the most, uh, they're misinformed about or they're, they're least educated on, the biggest misconception out there right now? I think the biggest misconception is still what it's been for, for decades, which is this isn't that big of a deal. This, there, there can't be that many sick, twisted men who want to sexually interact with a child. I'm talking prepubescent children, right? Uh, and it's hard to grasp and they don't want to grasp it because it hurts too much to think about. And so my plea to people, my ask to people is engage it, learn that it's real and to do that, you have to shed innocence and it hurts. It hurts to do that. And, and I'm sympathetic to it. I believe me, I've been through it. I've tried to quit many times. It hurts so badly. Uh, but then I compare my pain to whatever the pain is of a child who's on, who, who the only adults in, in their lives are trying to hurt them in ways you can't even comprehend. And then all of a sudden I realize I can shed some innocence. I can hurt a little bit if it means that that, that, uh, that these children will be free. And that's what we need. The solution to this problem isn't going to come from, from our foundation. It isn't going to come from anybody else's, any government agency or country. It's going to come when millions and millions rise up and say, we're not going to stand for this anymore. That's what moves governments and creates the programs, creates the cultural awareness where we end it. And, and that's how slavery in the 19th century was ended, by the way. It wasn't the government. It was, even it was, I love Abraham Lincoln. It wasn't even Abraham Lincoln. Even he admitted when he met the abolitionists, he said, so you're the ones who started this war, not me. And it's the people getting loud uh, for these kids, and, and that, that will move the needle. And so I would ask anyone watching this, don't run away from it. Don't turn off the, 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 the podcast. Engage it. Watch it twice. Go and, and learn more about it. Watch the documentaries that are out there. Find it. There's many organizations that are doing amazing work, and it doesn't have to be ours, any of them. But but find one or two and follow support, and and that's how we're going to end this. And so with, with that being said, um, and we'll also link it below in the comments, um, your particular organization, Operation Underground Railroad, if people, besides getting loud, besides sharing this, um, it, for them to help in any way, they can donate right, right off your site? Right. If you go to OURrescue.org, it's the link that you'll put, and you can donate there. You can also go to our page that says, join the fight. We give you lots of other ways you can get involved, um, hosting events or signing up to be one of our vetted volunteers. We have 40,000 people who have taken a test, subjected themselves to background checks, and we can actually find things that are you even get your hands dirty, get, get more involved um, and, and serve in, in, in utilizing your own personal skill sets. So people can, can do that as well. Wonderful. Well, 
please check the comments below. We'll be sure to link those. Tim, I, I can't thank you enough for being here with us today. Those of you watching, please share this video. Please follow Tim and his work, everything he's created. Um, but the first part in this process is simply becoming educated. And that's what Tim is here doing with us today. So um, on behalf of millions, Tim, thank you for your work to save our children. Thank you, Reagan. Really appreciate your support. Thank you. Take, take care, Tim. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can stay up to date with what we're doing at therealdealofparenting.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. Thanks for spending your time with us. Let's talk soon.